are listening to Brave Girls Club. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kelly. And I'm Krista. And, and this, this is, is a, a podcast. podcast. Um, this is a spooky been, podcast. Yes. It's yeah, been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Hello. Sorry. Oh boy. Sorry about the schedule getting all wonka do. Yeah, we missed a couple weeks there. Um, I'd like to call it our season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were on hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> no techno it was totally um uh we we meant to do that. Yeah, it's yeah. Pl- it was planned. There will have been two episodes before this one though, since we're recording a little out of order. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Quit freaking complaining. Ungrateful freaking <laughs> just kidding. Just nobody listens anyway. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, if you are. Yeah, And hi. this is a podcast, if you're new and you don't know, this is a podcast that uh, we talk about spooky stuff like true crime, paranormal, and other scary things. Ghosties, cryptids. Demons from Fushi Balls. Night fucklers. Clussy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is, this is the clown sex podcast. Yeah. If you uh, missed our... It episode, our It special, you should probably go back and listen to that one. Or not. Or don't. Or don't ever. (laughs) If you saw and liked the movie, don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So should we start with the news? Yeah, there's hella weird stuff going on right now. This will probably air in like two weeks though, so. So we're a little late, sorry. Yeah, it's a little, little outdated, but uh... They found a USC grad student's decomposed body in his dorm, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Uh, they identified that UCLA student that was found in her dorm, too. Oh, yeah. I don't know what her name was, but I know that they identified her. Good job, guys. Do you know how they died? Um, I think the USC one was an accident yeah. and no one noticed yeah. until the smell started yeah. happening, but I don't know anything about the US- UCLA student. The, on- the only article I read said that um, foul play and suicide weren't um, suspected, so probably like an accident or something. Wow, that's really sad. Yeah, Hummer with casket on roof leads police on high-speed chase. That's fun. Krista, was, was it, it you? It was me. <laughs> was it a pink Hummer? There's a picture of it, and it's just a Hummer with a casket on top. Uh, why? Was there a body inside? We'll never know. But probably not. Vroom, no. vroom. <clears throat> Witches allegedly stole penises and kept them as pets in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Lindsay said that one. I've, I've heard that one that before. One. I've seen, like, drawings of, like, little walking penises. It's like the broom in Cinderella. Or in... What is the broom walk in? It's in... Uh, Fantasia? Yeah, Fantasia. Fanta- it's like the broom in Fantasia. But That's so It's cute. a penis with balls. So, like, the little balls are like yeah. the legs. Boop, 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 The boop. legs. That's funny. Just scooting around. Woman found dead in car at It's Not Dead Festival. <laughs> well, ironic there. The little... Uh, little f- well, funny, sad thing. <laughs> I don't know. I like watched you say "lil" like five times. <laughs> lol, lol, lol. Lil, lil, um, lil, lil, lil. There was that really sad 
Are you thinking of the same one I'm thinking of? I don't know. Uh, well, there was this woman who was like eight months pregnant and she went missing after she went over to her neighbor's house to help her like sew a dress or something like that. And she was missing for like two or three, I don't know, a she while. Was she was missing for like at least a week, I think, Ooh. before they found out that the neighbor lured her over under false pretenses and cut the baby out and then dumped the body. Ooh, I didn't know that. Actually, I don't know if they cut the baby out, but they got the baby out. I don't know how, how they got would the they baby. have got it out. I don't know, man. Just push real hard and it just pops out. I think that you can do that. You think? <laughs> I don't. I think the baby might die. Yeah. They, they might have just cut it out, actually, but they didn't give a lot of details. Bummer. We can talk about Creep 2 is coming out next month. Did you guys watch Creep 1? Uh, which one's that one? It's the one that takes place in Crestline. It's a guy who hires a amateur filmmaker to come record him because he's dying of cancer. I always see the poster for it. But I, always, I love that movie. I always mix that one up with Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> Very different. So I'm just Jeepers thinking about some kids Creepers. on a school bus in a cornfield right now. I've definitely seen Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. I love, uh, what's his name? Justin, Justin Long. Justin Long. <laughs> uh, well, it has nothing to do with that. It's just like... um. It's Mark Duplass. And, oh, yeah. okay. So, um, they made a sequel. Can we talk about um, Charla Nash? <laughs> oh, yeah. That one's down here somewhere. Charla Nash is the Travis, lady. The, the lady that met Travis. The chimpanzee. The happy chimpanzee. We've talked about many times on the podcast. Took her face and hands off of her body with his mouth and hands. My and she got, she got a new face. She got a face transplant. Yeah, because it and, was chewed up. And it's rejecting now. So Her she's, body is rejecting her new face. So she is not having a good time right now. That's fucking sad. It sounds like she hasn't been having a good time. Yeah, but no, it hasn't. It's a really good 911 call if you want to look it up. We should play it someday. <laughs> it's very <laughs> we long. We say that like every episode. Because <laughs> it's so funny. It's not funny, but it is. It's like not funny while you're listening to it, but when you reflect back onto it, you just can't help but laugh for some reason. Chimpanzee. My chimpanzee. The funniest part is that the chimp's name is Travis. Yeah, that yeah. is very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like a ch- like With a normal kid. like a people name. Yeah, like a people name. Ridiculous. So yeah, that lady's face is falling off. A uh, four-year-old and six-year-old hijack car to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Hell yeah. That one's kind of cute. That is cute. Man arrested in Not connection <laughs> with gruesome West Hollywood 7-Eleven axe attack. That one's less cute. Oh, Hollywood is a spooky place. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, there's Charlotte Nash. Oh, she's not looking good. Poor lady. Yep. The Michelle McNamara book is being released still. Yeah. That'll be cool. It's on the... I, it might actually be about her... Not necessarily her book, but I'm sure some of her research will be in it. Uh, Michelle McNamara was Patton Oswald's late wife, um. who um, the last few years of her life, she dedicated to writing a research book on Eron's, uh, now known as the Golden State Killer. That's one of my favorite unsolved murders of all time. Mm-hmm. 
And I... Whenever I think of Patton Oswalt, I just get so sad. Yeah. Such a cute little man. Yeah. I was lucky enough to talk to Michelle McNamara when she did a Reddit AMA. Oh, really? On the Golden State Killer, yep. I asked a bunch of dumb questions. It was exciting. (laughs) And uh, there's that guy that lit that bank on fire. There's a really cool video of a dude lighting a bank on fire. And it's really funny because he was, like, mad. He's a mad customer. He was mad that he had to wait in line at the bank. So he went out and he bought, like, a gallon of gas or whatever and just dumped it. And in the time he took to go and do that, he probably would have, like, gotten to the front of the line. Yeah. Though. He's an idiot. So that was fun. I I All customers are bad and stupid. Yeah. If you've ever been a customer, we can't be friends. Yeah. For real. They're the worst. I hate, I seriously hate when I like, even today when I went to McDonald's to get my pumpkin spice latte and my french fries, that's all I ordered. I still always feel like bad. (laughs) Like when I was like, can I get sweet and sour sauce? Like, you know that it's like, oh, yeah. You know, someone... (laughs) Like your customer also works in cu- uh, in customer service when they apologize to you as they make mm-hmm. their normal ass order. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm sorry, but can I please get some ketchup? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's I'm bothering you, but yes. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then when they're like, sorry about the way I'm always like, oh, it is so fine. Take your time. <laughs> I got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're good. My car's overheating from being in this drive through for so long, but you know what? You do your thing. Yeah. So, um. That's the news. That's the news. Do you want to talk about some, did you have some movies? Uh, Well, there's the Dear David thing. You guys keeping up with that? Yes. No. You didn't read it? I guess I didn't. Oh, it's really good. It's this guy whose like apartment is like haunted. He had this dream with this boy with this dented in head and he said that his name is David and that you could ask him two questions. And then he like asked two questions and then he like asked a third and then ever since he's been like haunted by this little boy. Has he asked a third? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because, like, in his dream, a girl told him that you can only ask him oh, two yeah. questions. And if you ask him a third question, he'll kill you. What? Yeah, you got to read it. Okay, my bad. And there's like pictures videos and, and video or pictures and videos and like creepy stuff keeps like creeping up in his life. Really? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that sounds fun. He like had to go to Tokyo for a week or something so he got like cameras to watch his cats and then like he can watch they're like doing weird stuff and shit's like moving in the background. <gasps> Is it real life? It's real life. I think it's real. Really? It could be just like a spooky thing that he's doing for Halloween, but it could also just be a ghost with a dented in head named David. I love and he's it. an artist, so he drew a picture of what like David looks like, and he is pretty creepy. Yeah. Does it look like the No David kid from those children's books? Uh-huh. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> looks like David after dentist. Oh no. Like this. <laughs> what is <laughs> <laughs> So that's um, Dear David. Okay. If you haven't looked into that, it's real good and fun and spooky. It's on Twitter? Yeah. yeah it's okay. like Twitter threads. He tweets about it. Okay, cool. I'm going to look that up. 
That sounds spooky and fun. It's perfectly spooky and but fun. You said that you had movie, some movies. Oh yeah, I um, I got to hang out with my family recently, and we uh. watched some spooky movies in my brother's cabin, which was nice and spooky. First, we watched Poltergeist because my nephews were there, but they both fell asleep. But it's still good. Poltergeist mm-hmm. is like primo original, supremo. Obviously. I think we watched A that one last stuff. um last year. Super good. And, but I had already seen that, of course. And we also watched The Fog. Have you Which guys seen one? that? Which one's The Fog? I yeah. always get The Mist and The Fog mixed The Mist up. is Stephen King. The, the Fog, Fog is John, John Carpenter. Carpenter. It was really good. Okay, is that here's... the one with the religious lady or is that The Mist? That's The Mist. Okay. The Fog the... is the one with the hot chick and by the... She works in the radio thing. The, um, then I don't think I've seen that. Oh, yeah. The Mist is the one that has, like, all the people from Walking Dead in it because it's, like, directed by the Walking Dead guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, the difference between Fog and Mist in general is that Fog brings vengeful leper pirates and Mist brings monster bug alien creatures. Okay. And so I was in... rain and snow are different because one is frozen. And one's wet. Yeah. Well, they're both wet. Yeah. Okay. I think I got it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So what did I drive through this morning through the pass? Fog. Uh, fog. <laughs> there was pirates. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I, full circle. Ooh, I also watched Green Room. I love that one. I keep forgetting about it, though. That one was so good. We watched that, like, the night before Eric left on his last tour. So Ooh. that was a fun one. It's about a punk band going on tour and bad shit goes down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. I love the scene where the guy gets his belly box cuttered open. Oh, yeah. Like a fucking zipper. Ugh. I love it. I also love Dang, that that actor. Were you guys up all night watching movies? Yeah. And then we watched How a fun. bunch of hot ones. <laughs> you should invite us next time i want to i want to my brother isn't renting his cabin out yet because you have to get like a permit or something but i wonder if i could just like pay him under the table Mm -hmm. it's a really nice cabin i want to do like a brave girls thing there oh that would be fun i like how it said like mahoney what did it say mahoney lake house So fancy. Yeah, the whole family is poor except my brother is, is there <laughs> kind of rich. Is there a lake? Um, well, it's in Crest Lane. There's lakes all over, but oh. there's not like a lake right by. Mm. Yeah. Is it woodsy? It's super woodsy. Ooh, I want to go. One time they went up to the cabin and there was, there's like trees all over and one of them had like a bear in it, like a full grown <gasps> bear. And then they were like, okay, we're going back to Azusa. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So that's just like their like vacation house? Yeah. Wow. I think yeah. they go there a lot, but I'll see if they can skip a weekend to let us do mm-hmm. something there. That'll be fun. That'd be so fun. I love cabins. It's tight as hell. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a cabin in real life before. Right? Really? Like you've never been to like Big Bear or anything? No. Hmm. Well, this I is like the to, first though. cabin I've been to, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. I want to try camping. Yeah, I've, I've never tried camping before. I've never camped either. Camping is fun. I grew up camping. My dad had like his own camping designated spot at like a 
camping place. That's how often he goes. Huh. So he's just camping all the time. Camping is a lot of fun. Especially that campsite because it has like very like camp firewood vibes because like in the summertime like there's kids running around in their little bathing suits like swimming in the lake and stuff. It's everyone's riding bikes everywhere. Yeah, let's go camping. It's fun. It's probably camping. It's probably like good weather now to go camping. Maybe it might be a little cold. Uh, Really? Where's your dad's campground? San Bernardino Mountains. Oh. Never mind. We can camp out in the desert and get bit by a snake. We yeah. Can camp in my backyard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you, you guys have grass. a tent? We, I don't have a tent. Oh. I have a tent. Let's <gasps> do it. And then we could do like a Brave Girls, like something in there, like a video. I'm down. <laughs> That'd be fun. Like a spooky <laughs> video, like with a flashlight it's, and a tent. It's the Satchmo. <laughs> what it could be like Blair Witch Project where we hear like little kid laughter on in and then we run outside and go is <laughs> <laughs> a Blair Witch in and your I backyard can get real get my face real close to the lens of the camera yeah, yeah. I'm good at that with your nose running I'm really good at that yeah you are with your little <laughs> eye thing yeah her we eyes. should definitely do that some night that would be so fun we are planning on doing fun stuff this october so maybe yeah, hopefully. that could be one of them mm-hmm. i'm yeah. gonna try to come out here as much as i can cool do little extras maybe yeah i'm down we should just straight up read like a goosebumps book or something <laughs> like an audiobook yeah <laughs> um so should we start our little stories sure you want to go first i'll go first because mine's probably the worst one Shut I mean, like your mouth. The anyway, I'll go first. If you're listening to this and you love Krista's story, um, tell her that you love her story and that you love her and that she's beautiful and perfect. And clap your hands. Thank you. Clap your hands, everybody. Thank you, Luciano. <laughs> okay, this is my story. Situated on the Ohio River, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is a small town with a population of only about 5,000 people. Everyone knew each other so well, and residents of such a small rural community did the best they could to not draw too much attention to themselves. So when Roger Scarberry's car came screeching to a halt in front of the Mason County Courthouse on November 15, 1966, Deputy Millard Halstead knew that something very real had just taken place. Roger Scarberry had just been driving down a road past the McClinic Wildlife Management Area, a nature preserve about seven miles from Point Pleasant. Scarberry and his passengers, his wife Linda, friends Steve and Mary Mallet, and their cousin Lonnie Button were familiar with the area, <laughs> as were many but. of the young people. <laughs> Those aren't real names. Her well, last name is Button. Lonnie Button? Yeah, or his. That's such a cute name. That is cute. Lonnie Button. Sounds like a rabbit's name oh that's cute does it say that he's not a rabbit it's oh their cousin oh, okay um their cousin the rabbit yeah okay they treat him like family <laughs> <laughs> he's part of the family he's people stop that's me with chester so i know don't even. that's my impression of you yeah that's me The McClinic Wildlife Management Area had housed the West Virginia Ordnance Works, a hidden TNT factory from World War II. 
The TNT area, as it was called by the locals, had been long since abandoned as a military operation. Its distance from the town and low profile made the area a popular hangout for local youths who could get away from the prying eyes of their small-town neighbors. Scarberry and his passengers stopped the car in front of the factory gate. Like the other youths in town, they hung out regularly in the area and noticed something unusual. A pair of glowing red lights had appeared near the gate. As the lights moved toward them, they realized that these were not lights at all, but a pair of glowing red eyes attached to a dark figure. The creature stood nearly seven feet tall, with huge wings folded behind its back. Without hesitation, Scarberry drove off as fast as he could. According to everyone in the car, the creature immediately took flight and followed the car down the road, keeping up with ease. Even as Scarberry pushed the car past 100 miles per hour, the glowing red eyes stayed just behind them. Finally, Scarberry reached the Mason County Courthouse, and the creature flew off into the darkness. This was the first, but not the last, sighting of the creature that would become known as the Mothman. The Mothman? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I thought this week you were doing a story on LeBron James. LeBron James? LeBron James. Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) One would think that five young locals who came running into a courthouse hollering about a flying man would bring nothing but immediate doubt. But to his credit, Deputy Millard Halstead could tell that this was no hoax. I've known these kids all their lives. They'd never been any trouble, and they were really scared that night. I took them seriously, he would later say. Even in separate rooms, every witness told the exact same story, and the terror in their eyes told the deputy that something had definitely happened to these kids. Halstead took them so seriously that he followed Scarberry back to the TNT area to look for the creature. They found nothing there. It didn't take long for the word of the Mothman to spread. The very next night, on November 16th, frightened townspeople took up arms and combed the TNT area for the creature. They wouldn't find it, but at a nearby home, someone who wasn't looking for the Mothman would. Ah. That night, a young woman named Marcella Bennett was visiting her friends, the Thomas family, who lived very close to the TNT area. As she approached her car, parked just outside the house, a large gray human-like creature with giant wings and glowing red eyes rose up from the ground nearby. Bennett was so terrified that she literally dropped her infant daughter, Tina, to the ground and fell on top of her. (laughs) Poor Tina. Shouldn't your instinct be everything but that? Yeah. Rest in peace, (laughs) Tina. (laughs) For minutes, Bennett lay paralyzed in fear, staring into the hypnotic red eyes of the creature. She would later tell others that she was aware of what was happening, but was quite literally unable to move her body. Finally, Bennett broke free of her paralysis, grabbed her daughter, and ran into the house. As they called the police, Bennett, along with other witnesses in the house, said that the Mothman walked up onto their porch and peered curiously through the windows. By the time the police arrived, it was gone. As more and more sightings of this creature became known, other townspeople would come forward with details to add to the Mothman legend. As small-town residents, many witnesses had stayed quiet, fearing that others would think they were lying, or worse, crazy. But as more witnesses began to come forward, it became very clear that the Mothman could be more than just a legend. Over the course of the next year, many of the locals would witness this creature. Over time, sketch artists were able to compile drawings of what the creature looked like. In every case, the intense red eyes were what captured everyone's attention. 
In fact, even after dozens of descriptions, just about every detail of the Mothman could be identified except for one. Nobody seemed to know what its face looked like. One after another, every witness described being so drawn into the creature's eyes that not one of them could recall the surrounding face. Even more strange, everyone who had witnessed this creature take off in flight described the same strange phenomenon. It seemed, though, the Mothman would spread his enormous wings before ascending into the air. He never flapped them, like any bird would do. Instead, with wings extended, he seemed to rise simply effortlessly into the air, like a balloon. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> ah! She's afraid of balloons. I don't like balloons. <laughs> this whole time I've been picturing LeBron James, so I'm not scared. <laughs> okay. That's what the face looks like. They didn't see it. It's LeBron James. Several theories exist about this creature, and some of the least believable are claims that this was simply a very large bird that had been misidentified. Skeptics suggest that the Mothman legend can be explained by the Sandhill Crane, a large bird with red coloring around the eyes. The eyes themselves are not red. It's interesting to note that this is the same bird that skeptics also claim to be the true identity of the Jersey Devil. Being a rural town, most of the witnesses are hunters and uh, fishermen, which makes it hard to imagine that so many of them would mistake a bird for a seven-foot-tall winged humanoid with glowing red eyes. Interestingly, though, the TNT area housed a small semi-underground building called igloos that it was later discovered were leaking mutagenic toxic waste into the nearby wildlife preserve. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love mutants. Is it Kelly's, possible? Kelly's favorite part is always going to be the mutants. Yeah. That, I hope it's Imagine a, a big mutant bird monster. Like, what if the Mothman was real and he was like an X-Man? What do you mean, what if he's real? He's real. <laughs> well, some people are saying <laughs> Have he's you seen just a, a bird. He's not a bird. I haven't seen a photo. There's a photo. There's a really famous photo of him on top Luciano, of the bridge look it up? that I'm going to talk about in just a second. I think I've seen a photo of him and his jersey. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Get out of here with your LeBron his James. His jersey devil. Oh! oh my God, it all makes sense. What is often left out of the retelling of the Mothman legend is that at the time of the sightings, they were simultaneously several sightings of unidentified flying objects in the same area. Several witnesses of either the Mothman or UFOs reported being visited by strange men in all black suits, hats, and sunglasses, who would threaten them to keep quiet about, they what, about what they had witnessed. Were these government agents who already knew what these sightings were? Yes. Or were these emissaries from Mothman's world trying to keep things quiet? Yes. And black. Many believed that the Mothman was a prophetic creature, a herald of unknown tragedies to come. On December 15, 1967, the Silver Bridge, a shiny steel bridge join, joining the states of Ohio and West Virginia and a main route into Point Pleasant, collapsed, killing 46 people. Some witnesses claimed to have seen the Mothman on the bridge that same day, though a faulty eye bar was found to be the cause of the collapse. A true tragedy for a small town, many wondered if the Mothman had been there, been there to warn them of the disaster, though others wondered if the Mothman was part of a curse put on the town by an old Native American chief who had been famously murdered 200 years earlier. Either way, after the collapse of the Silver Bridge, the Mothman legend was put to rest. It was never seen again. The end. It's a good one. Pretty spooky. I love the Mothman. That's a good one. And I like. I really like the Mothman prophecies movie. You should be the Mothman for Halloween. Ooh, I was, I was gonna be a robot. This. 
the best. I wanted to build my costume out of boxes. Like, um, what's his name from Freaks and Geeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Sam. That'd be Weir. cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like the female version of Sam Weir. I can Thank see you. It. I get that a lot, actually. Huh. <laughs> like, people will send me that picture, you know, that, like, reaction picture of him at the table where he's all, like, uh-huh. this big old teeth. Yeah. yeah. He always reminded me of Owen a little bit. <laughs> like people would whiny. always send that to me. Be yeah. like, this you. Yeah, that is you. <laughs> kind of. That's cute. Then you could be Charlie Chaplin and I'll be Bionic, Bionic Woman. Woman. <laughs> That is kind of, (laughs) (laughs) that would be funny though. (laughs) Nobody would get it. And I don't want to be Charlie Chaplin. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know any Charlie Chaplin, except I saw the, uh, that picture of that lady with the cell phone from his movie. What? You know what I mean? It's like one of those anachronistic things that people point out. It's like, oh, this is time oh, travel. Oh, okay. But it's like she's probably just holding up like a like a hearing aid type thing. But it looks like she's holding a... A cell phone. Yeah, I was looking at that stuff the other day. Spooky. Fun. Yeah. Um, you want to go? Yeah, unless you want to go next. I mean... Mine's not, like, that exciting, and I feel like yours is more exciting than mine. What order does that dictate? You, we go out with a bang. Okay, you. okay. You can go first. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm being boring this week. Woo! Um, I had been trying to, like, memorize my stories uh, lately, but been busy yeah i've been too busy but once you got I, a job yeah I, I did i got a job <laughs> um, <laughs> um so instead i'm gonna read uh this article from emgn.com uh about the uh 11 kidnapped kids who spent the longest time in captivity what i love this shit you know i love this shit um it's gonna be so awful yes this is awful this is so awful the first one is awful. is awful yeah number 10 elizabeth schof north carolina 10 days in 2006 elizabeth schof was kidnapped at the age of 14 by vincent philia 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 Um, who posed as a police officer, which is fucking scary. That's so scary. Because you're supposed to trust police officers. And when some, you know, it wouldn't be hard for a police officer to lure me like to like, oh, come here. I need to ask you like a question about this. I'd be like, okay, sir. Yeah. And a bunch of creepers do this. Ted Bundy did it. Mm -hmm. Jerry Mm -hmm. Brudos did it. Mm -hmm. Who was the little the, boy? The cannibal guy. I yeah. can't remember what his name was. It was Nathaniel something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told this story on the podcast before, but um, one time a police officer came to my door and I was home alone and I answered and he, it was like a real policeman, obviously, <laughs> and he just wanted to ask me a question. But when I told my mom, she was so like mad at me for opening the door. She was like, yeah. never open the door, even for a police officer, because it could not be... And then you could yeah. be dead. The cannibal's name is Nathaniel Barjona. Barjona. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing about this list, all these stories probably deserve their own 
like long episode, episode yeah. story. So this is just we the could, gist. We could probably touch on these some other time. Anyway, so he poses a police officer. He told her she was under arrest and led her into the woods. There, in a dark and cramped bunker, he had dug into the ground. He stripped her naked and chained her by the neck. Oh, my God. For, de- for 10 days, he raped her several times a day. When she was taken into the woods, Elizabeth dropped her shoes in the hope of someone finding them. Later, when she had gained her kidnapper's trust and she was allowed outside of the bunker, she would pull out hunks of her hair and throw them on the ground as clues. How old is she? Yeah, this how- girl is smart. Um, it doesn't say. She looks like a teenager. Oh, 14. 14. She's 14. That's pretty smart. Shit. Yeah. Wow. Um... Elizabeth finally saved herself by sending her mom a text from her kidnapper's phone after he'd gone to sleep. After seeing on TV that police were looking for him, Philia tried to make a run for it, and Elizabeth climbed out of the bunker. She was found in the woods and taken to the hospital. Philia was found and sentenced to 421 years in prison and look at this horrifying picture of the hole in the ground oh my jesus no that she was in Mm-mm. for 10 days Mm-mm. oh my god literally just a hole in the ground with dirt there's a lot going on in that story but i think the most incredible thing is that she had a phone number memorized i don't know anyone's this phone number this was 2006 number. Oh, okay. I ha- I definitely had my mom's phone number memorized yeah. in 2006. All right, that's fair enough. You guys don't know your parents' phone numbers? No. The only number I know is my childhood friend's mom, who still has the same number. I remember my old house number, and we don't even have that number anymore, and that's the only one. I only know my number and my friend's mom's number. That's it. I know, like, my whole family's phone numbers. Really? Yeah. Dang. I know Eric's phone number. I know, like, all the phone numbers. That's Where's Eric? Good. He should be here. At work. at work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Thursday in the afternoon. Okay. Number nine. Shasta Groen. Groeny. I'm sorry. I'm so bad with names. Groeny. 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 Idaho. Seven weeks. Oh, shit. That was a long fucking time. In May 2005, police found the bodies of Brenda Groen. Her 13-year-old son, Slade, and her boyfriend, Mark McKenzie, at their home in Cure-Dion, Idaho. Sorry, Idaho. Um, (laughs) Brenda's 9-year-old son and her 8-year-old daughter, Shasta, were missing. Seven weeks later, a waitress at a Denny's restaurant recognized Shasta, who had been reported missing for weeks, in the company of an unknown man. When Shasta was reunited with her father, authorities informed him that there was little hope of finding Dylan alive. Mm. Two days later, investigators found human remains at a remote campsite, and they were identified as Dylan Groney. Whatever, sorry. Uh, During their captivity, Shasta and Dylan were repeatedly molested and had been told by their captor, Joseph Duncan, how he had bludgeoned their family to death with a hammer. This one's a bummer. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Number eight. Sabine Dardine, Belgium, 80 Days. That's a good name. 
I know. That is a good name. In 1996, 12-year-old Sabine Dardine was, don't laugh, Kelly. Sorry. Was abducted by child molester and serial killer Mark Dutro. Dutro. Um, commonly known as the, quote, the monster of Belgium, unquote. Um, while she was uh, riding her bike to school. So sad. Uh, she was kept in a, in, sorry, she was kept in Duro's tiny basement where she was chained and sexually abused regularly. He told Sabine her parents weren't looking for her and they refused to pay ransom. He also described himself to her as her savior, constantly reminding her that the boss wanted to kill her. This later created, uh, sorry, this later, this later created suspicions of a pedophile ring, but the investigation was suspended after Detro later confessed he acted on his own behalf. Um, Sabine was held for 74 days before she asked her captor for a friend. Um, he then kidnapped 14 year old, uh, God, these names, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Letitia, Leti, Letitia. Are you sure? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I guess Letitia. Letitia, yeah. The A threw me off. Okay. Yeah. Weird spelling. Uh, yeah, weird spelling. Um, Delhi's. Uh, but his car was recognized by locals. Letitia spent six days in captivity before both girls were found. The girls weren't found until two days after um, Dutro uh, had been arrested. Uh, Dutro was also responsible for the deaths of four other young girls, eight-year-olds Melissa Russo and Julie Le Lehune, also kidnapped and sexually abused, died of starvation in the same basement while Dietro was in prison for car theft. Oh, my God. So there were other two girls in that basement and died because he was in jail for something else. That is so messed up. Wow. In a second killing spree, Dietro buried 17-year-old Anne Marchal and J. Sorry, Lambricks alive. Oh my God, he buried two 17 year olds alive. Dietro never confessed to murdering any of the girls, but he was sentenced to life in prison, although he briefly escaped in 1998. Ew. Oh my God. Um, his wife and accomplice. Wow. Fuck. Um, Michelle Martin, who was responsible for letting Russo and Lejeune starve while oh Dietro was God. in prison for car theft, was sentenced to 30 years in prison. She was released 16 years into her sentence. And then it has a picture of the basement. That's pretty creepy. With, like, policemen in it. Number seven is Elizabeth Smart, and I'm not going to go into it because I feel like everybody knows this one, and yeah. it deserves its – it, like, really deserves, like, its own thing. Everyone knows the Elizabeth Smart story, and it's awful and horrifying. Well, all of these are. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I want it to go down a little. Um, oh, that's okay. the Ariel Castro one, huh? This one? Yeah. Yeah, this is the one that I was going to tell as well. So this is, um, wait, 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 is it? Yes, okay. Sorry. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, so this is number two on the list. I'm not going to read all of them because they're kind of long. So um, this one is Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus. Sure. Okay. And uh, Michelle Knight, Cleveland, 10 years and nine months. This is a crazy one. Look how pretty they have a picture of them. They're all like so like normal and pretty and so sad. Okay. Um, Michelle was the first of the three to be kidnapped by Ariel Castro in 2002. She was 21 years old at the time of her kidnapping. Eight months later, Castro, um, kidnapped Amanda Berry the day before her 17th birthday. And a year after that, he took Gina De Jesus. She was 14. Michelle Knight was taken on the day she was scheduled to appear in court for a custody case in involving her son, Joey. She was tricked into following Castro home under the false promise of puppies. Oh, girl, no. Oh, my God. We'd all fall for it. I Come know. on. <laughs> like, he was like, I got some puppies. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll get in your bunker if there's puppies. <laughs> oh, no. What kind of puppies? <laughs> <laughs> the police spent uh, limited resources on finding her because of her age. Whatever. Um, at Castro's house, Michelle was chained by her arms, feet, and neck and was only fed on the third day after her kidnapping. Oh, my God. She was repeated, repeatedly beaten and violently raped by Castro. He impregnated her at least five times over the course of 10 years, but induced miscarriages by beating and starving her. After wow. she was, yeah. After she was joined by Amanda Berry, the two women were chained to each other. He also impregnated Berry, who delivered the child whilst in captivity. Knight helped deliver the baby. Oh my God. Fucking nightmare. Another year later, the two women were joined by Gina de Jesus, a 14-year-old girl. Her abduction was not witnessed, so there was no Amber Alert issued. An Amber Alert can only be issued if someone sees it happen. Is that true? Oh, but, I didn't know that. But if you see, how could you just like be watching something well, like that? How would you know what kind of car it was then, I guess? Oh, then yeah. Then Amber Alert. Yeah, that's fair. Um, on the day of the escape in April, 2013, it was Barry who made contact with the neighbors after Castro failed to lock the home's, um, main inside door. The exterior, um, storm door was bolted, but Barry, sorry, but Barry screamed when she saw a neighbor through the screen door. Uh, they kicked a hole in the screen door and Barry and her six-year-old daughter escaped. 
Uh, Barry called 911 from a neighbor's house and reportedly said, help me. I'm Amanda Barry. I was kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years. I'm here and I'm free now. Castro was placed under arrest that day and he was charged with kidnapping, rape, uh, aggravated murder, attempted murder, and assault. He was sentenced to over a thousand years in prison, but a month into his sentence, guard found him um, hanged in his cell. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> you can listen to that 911 call online. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Doesn't, isn't it, like, kind of shitty? Because, like, the operator is, like... Yeah. Doesn't She's like, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been missing 10 years. And the 911 operator is just like, I heard you. Uh, let me let me write it down. Give me a minute. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Also... Look at what he looks like. Yeah. People, while he had those girls in his house for 10 years people were going in and out of his house. Like he would yeah. have his brothers over for like beers and football and stuff. And he would just be like, Oh, don't go past the kitchen. And they just never did. And they were probably like, Oh, Ariel's a weird guy. I wonder if he has some ladies in his house. Oh, well, we'll never know. Uh, 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. 10 years. That's insane. That baby was six years old. Yeah, it's like, have you seen Room or yeah. Reddit? Mm-hmm. Imagine, oh my God, I seeing the world for the saw first that. time. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. But, yeah, so that was my thing this week. Pretty gross. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's a bummer. Getting kidnapped is just like, obviously, I know it's like everyone's biggest fear, but. No? No, I'm just shaking my head like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't know what I... I'm, like, constantly, like, even, like, when I, like, go on a walk or something, I'm constantly, like, thinking, like, what if some person just comes out of that bush and grabs me? What would I do? What if someone jumps out and they're like, spaghetti? (laughs) (laughs) Did I spook you? No. Yes. (laughs) I'd punch him right in the face. I always, like, tell myself, I know that, like, you never know what you're going to do unless, like, it happens to you if someone tries to, like, attack you or take you, but I always, like, think in my head of, like, what I would try to do. Even if someone had a gun to me, I would still try and run away just because I'd rather die than ever be, like, kept captive and And fucked with for however long. And a lot of times, they won't shoot you because they don't want to get caught. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially if it's in like public around other people. Yeah. Like I just listened to the two episode special on Jerry Brudos from last podcast. And one of the ladies that he kidnapped was like in a mall. And he just like pulled out a gun and was like, come with me. And she was like, ah! and then she just went with him. Nope. She totally could nope. have gotten away. Like yeah. he's not going to shoot her because there's people he doesn't want to get caught. Yeah. And also ran. he was wearing high heels. So he wouldn't have been able to catch her if she tried to run. Nope. Jerry nope. Brudos is the shoe fetish killer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to weigh each situation independently, but sometimes it's worth it to mm-hmm. run. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth it to fight. Sometimes just give them your wallet. You, you know <laughs> the deal. Like that. I would just be like the, the scene from Clueless. When Aww. she was like, oh, I don't want to get down on the ground. <laughs> 
There's an episode of Sex in the City where Carrie gets mugged and he takes all her shit and she's like, oh, God damn it. And then he like looks her up and down and he's like, give me your shoes. And she's like, oh, no, not yeah. my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You guys ready for mine? Yes. It's the same one you guys heard when we flubbed the recording. So uh, on our last episode, I did three disappearances. And, you know, it. we had some technical difficulties. Yeah. But uh, this week, I changed it up. I'm doing three mysteries. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay. So the first one is the head. On December 12th, 2004, a little boy was dropped off by the school bus on a rural road in a small town called Economy, Pennsylvania, and stumbled upon something kind of unusual. A severed goddamn head lying in a field. The head belonged to an old woman, and using forensic odontology, investigators were able to determine that she was a local to either Pennsylvania or its surrounding states. But that's where the identification ended. She didn't match the profile of any missing person, and the rest of her body was never found. So, was she a murder victim? Maybe someone who lived off the grid? Well, here's the first twist. The head was professionally embalmed. That could mean that the head belonged to an already dead body that had been taken to a mortuary, except no mortuary, hospital, or graveyard in the area had any knowledge of a missing head. And how could a place like that lose a head in the first place? So, likewise, investigators can't tell whether the embalming was done legally through the proper funerary process or by a rogue hobbyist in his or her own embalming station. The fact that nobody can identify the victim seems to apply the latter, because how would a professionally embalmed head go missing? Part of the difficulty in identifying the head can be attributed to the fact that her eyes had been removed. Both eyes had been replaced with fake ones, which is a common embalming procedure. However, in this case, the fake eyes were not the professional ones used by mortuaries. They were red rubber balls, the kind of bouncy balls widely available from vending machines and toy stores all across the country. That's really when, scary. When you told this story last time and when you're telling it this time, for some reason, I picture the guy from American Horror Story Asylum, the like spooky doctor man. Oh. I like I like picture him like doing all this like spooky, like at home embalming. The Nazi doctor. Yeah, the, the Nazi doctor. Dr. Arden. I took a what American Horror Story quiz are you? <laughs> oh, and I, yeah. I got the fucking Nazi doctor. <laughs> That's so rude. I remember that. I forgot who I got though. I got the mean girl from Coven. I think you got the psychic from the first season and you were like, I don't know who this is. Oh, oh it was yeah. a Sarah Paulson character? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I remember that. What was the, what's the mean, what is, what is uh, I don't know. Emma Pretty McBlonders. Madison. Madison. Okay. Madison. Okay, so investigators initially reasoned that the head had either fallen or been thrown from a moving vehicle, but if so, those small rubber balls would likely have popped out. So it's also speculated that someone lovingly placed that severed head right there where it was found. Ew. So boogie. And the, the child, a child found it. Just in a goddamn field. It reminds me of the first scene in Blue Velvet. Have you guys seen that? No. <laughs> oh, well, someone like finds an ear in a field and they pick it up like, huh? That poor <laughs> Ew. 
He picked it up and he took it home. He's like, yeah. Can I keep it? <laughs> <laughs> I found a turtle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this one is. Came with these cool bouncy balls. <laughs> it, what if he just took the balls and took them home and then never told anyone about the head? <laughs> <laughs> Me. Oh. Free toys. Okay, my second one is the suicide. Woo! Spooky. In 1977, Charles C. Morgan owned an escrow company and lived seeming a seemingly a seemingly ordinary seaman. <laughs> ew! He lived in a seaman town with a seaman house and a seaman dog. Gross! Just a seemingly ordinary life with his family in Tucson, Arizona. Then on March 22nd, he vanished without explanation, and three days later, stumbled back into his house in the middle of the night. He claimed that he couldn't speak, but that he could write. And he wrote his wife a bizarre message claiming that someone had painted his throat with hallucinogenic drugs. Sounds like he was. Yeah. Scary. Can you imagine painting your throat with anything? Like the outside? Oh, I was thinking like the the inside. inside, Because I know with like hallucinogenic hallucinogenic drugs, you can just like put them on your skin and like get them wet. I, have, I always pictured someone going up in his mouth, but... That's a spookier image. Like so in a dentist with chair? With like a paintbrush? Ooh. Okay, yeah. Okay, sorry. Painted his throat with hallucinogenic drugs. So, it sounds like he was perhaps on a drug binge or having a mental break when he, where he was not in touch with reality. He even insisted that his wife not contact the hospital or police, which is the kind of thing a person on drugs or having a mental health breakdown uh, might ask for. But after returning to health, Morgan refused to talk about the incident, except to give clues that he'd been working secretly as an undercover agent for the Treasury Department. Then, two months later, he disappeared again, only to be found dead from a gunshot wound outside of his car in the, or in the Arizona desert. It was ruled a suicide, but it's reported that the shot was in the back of the head, which is extremely uncommon in suicide and physically impossible for most people. Also, he was wearing a bulletproof vest at the time, was found with a pair of sunglasses that did not belong to him, and one of his own teeth was in his pocket. When further examined, a $2 bill was found pinned inside his underwear, which was annotated with seven Spanish names and a Bible citation. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. Do you guys know how to say Bible chapters? Like, how would I say that? It's 12 colon 1 dash 8. I think. Like chapter 12 verse 1 through 8 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Okay. I never learned that. So that section of the Bible reads in part, Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. On the back of the bill, the signers of the Declaration of Independence were numbered one through seven, and there was a roughly drawn map. The map led to an area between Tucson and Mexico, to the towns of Robles Junction and Sahuarita, both known for smuggling. 
Before Morgan's body was discovered, his wife received an anonymous phone call from a woman identifying herself only as Green Eyes, who said nothing to her except Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 8. The same citation her husband was hiding in his undergarments. The Bible verse gave no clues about his death and was only interpreted to be perhaps about growing older and closer to death. Spooky. Very spooky. Pretty spooky. These are good, Kel. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I just realized something. Because huh. I think last time we talked about how it was like, just sounds like someone who's like having like a mental episode, but yeah. like then who called his wife. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spooky. That's like one of the it things. Nosferatu. And then he's <laughs> yeah. calling. Yeah. Flickering the lights. Flickering the lights. <laughs> <laughs> But there will be no one there. Ooh. Spooky. Okay. That's what I'm going to do next week's story on. No The hash slinging slasher. <laughs> <laughs> do and it. And the walls ooze green slime. No, they always do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, go ahead. All right. The last one is the sisters, which I thought was the spookiest, but hopefully... You guys do too. On the night of December 28th, 1956, 15-year-old Barbara Grimes and 13-year-old Patricia Grimes went out to see the Elvis movie, Love Me Tender, but never made it back home. Little Barb. Little Barb and little Pat. Patty. Patty. Patty Grimes. Being that these were two teenage girls in the 1950s, when they went missing, everyone just assumed they'd run off to Nashville to look for Elvis Presley. Even Elvis himself released a statement pleading for the girls to return home. Friends reported seeing the girls at the theater on the night they died, and multiple witnesses confirmed that they boarded the bus back home only to get off halfway through the trip. Two boys saw them a few minutes later, laughing and giggling with each other, just two blocks from their house. A security guard claimed they asked him for directions on the morning of December 29th. One of their classmates spotted them from a restaurant window that evening, talking to two unknown girls. Two separate employees reported that they checked into the nearby Claremont Hotel on December 30th. It appeared that they had indeed just run off for some youthful, rebellious fun. But the town's worst fears were realized when a construction worker found the corpses, frozen and completely naked, lying in a position that suggested they'd been thrown from a moving car. Barbara's chest was riddled with shallow stab wounds, none serious enough to cause death. It actually wasn't at all clear what had killed them. We still don't know. What we do know, however, is that the autopsy report placed their time of death within five hours of leaving their home for the movie on the evening of December 28th, which, yes, that means that the girls had been dead long before any of the sightings of them had occurred. That brings us to the phone calls. On January 14th, a week before the bodies were discovered, the phone in the house of Patricia's classmate Sandra rang sometime around midnight. Sandra's mother answered. The caller hung up. The phone rang again a few minutes later, and this time a small, frightened voice asked for Sandra. The caller hung up before Sandra could get on the line. Sandra's mother swears that it was the voice, that the voice on the other end was that of Patricia Grimes, even though medical science would later say she had been dead long before that point. Sorry. 
like two weeks before that point. I looked up the crime scene photo. Ooh. Aw, dang. They're dead for reals. Yeah, they're dead. There's a lot of detective-looking people around there. Yeah, old-timey detectives are cool-looking. Yeah. The next day on the 15th, a point when most people still assumed the girls had run off to party in Nashville, the cops got a call from an anonymous person claiming he had a revelation in a dream that the girls were dead and could be found in Santa Fe Park. The cops questioned the guy and decided he was neither a suspect nor a psychic. But seven days later, the two corpses were found less than a mile from that park. Ooh. 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 That sounds more like Star Trek. Huh. What's a spooky sound? That's all. <laughs> um, <laughs> questions, okay, comments, anybody? <laughs> so, what? Anything else? Mm-mm. What's your favorite mystery? My favorite mystery? Well, my favorite unsolved crime is the Golden State Killer. That one gives me the heber jeebers. Why don't you do that one someday? <sighs> Huh, Kelly? Why don't you just do it then, huh, Kelly? Because it consumes me! (laughs) (laughs) We should do a special episode on it where you just go and we just don't even have mics. (laughs) That doesn't sound that fun. (laughs) How about you guys? You guys got favorite mysteries? Oh, there's another one that I really like. I've told you guys about it. It's the guy that they found dead in his apartment zipped inside of a tote bag or like a, what are those called? Not a suitcase? Not a a suitcase. A duffel bag? Duffel bag. Yeah. And And it was locked? Yeah. It had like a a padlock on the outside and it was deemed a suicide. Suicide, yeah. Like how the fuck? And then like people did like tests of it, like contortionists and escape artists tried to figure out how he could have like padlocked himself inside of a duffel bag Mm -hmm. and it's like impossible. And the heat in his apartment was turned up all the way and he like worked for some weird government department government department and when they, they found it, him it was the government when they found him it was in england i guess they're pretty corrupt too but yeah he was in his bathtub like in a duffel bag super uh what's it called when your body goes to slush after you die decomposed mm-hmm. real nasty <laughs> goes to slush <laughs> what's that thing called when your body goes to slush when you die you know decomposition he rigored and he mortised and he decomposed ew pretty nasty what's your favorite mystery krista christery christery i don't know i do like that one though the duffel bag one i love that one i also like uh the johnny gosh Ooh. i thought case. you were gonna say jean benet ramsey that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Johnny Gosh. They're for sure. Good ones. My favorite mystery is the Axeman from New the, Orleans. The Axeman of New Orleans. Because I love his um his letters. Oh yeah. His jazz in it. Jazz in it. Jazz in it letters. And axe is like a sling term for a saxophone. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was 
the sex man of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just murderer. like the I like I just like like the visions I get of it. Like when the You're stories getting visions? No, like when the story's being told, like what I picture in my mind is like yeah. really beautiful, like old timey New Orleans. Was it like nineteen thirties or nineteen twenties? You know what? I don't really know. Somewhere around there. When the jazz was a hip I don't want to. I don't want to be dramatic, but I think I'd rather get axed to death and listen to jazz. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. You don't like jazz? No. Not at all? Not like any kind of jazz? Maybe I like some jazz. Have you ever seen Whiplash? No. Yeah. I haven't. Really? Nuh-uh. Oh, That's a good one. That's a good one. That's what my drum lessons were like. Did you see La La Land? It? Don't. It's garbage. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, um, our episode that didn't air, I talked about, I'm not going to go into it, but I talked about a really good movie that I watched called Nocturnal Animals, and it was really good, had one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in any movie, watch it if you're not easily, uh, disturbed, disturbed. It's a uh, documentary about owls. Yes. I would watch that. And they turn their heads all the way around, and it's gross. And possums are also nocturnal animals. They mm-hmm. dig in the trash. I That's saw a possum so by my house a few months ago, and I got scared. They're so cute. Because <laughs> it was, like, walking relatively close to me, and I was like, please don't hiss at me. All it does, it will open its mouth real big at you and smile. Yeah. No. Just like That's it. They do. They smile. No, they're um, scary. <laughs> just thinking about it. Ugh. I think possums I are hit cute. one once. They're I cute, they're like, cute. in pictures, but, like, when I'm, like, face-to-face with one, yeah, I'm, like, I'm scared of you. Don't bite me or whatever you do. I don't know what. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's, like, not a real animal. It's, like, it's, like, like some made-up thing. <laughs> like, it it's, looks so weird. It's a with goblin. Its, with its little, like, weird nose, and it's, like, ho- the way they walk, they just, like, <laughs> hobble. So funny. They just, like, hobble around, How like, can eating you hate trash. A like, they're <laughs> so cute. Have They're... you ever seen one, like, eat a banana? No. <laughs> it's so cute. Have you seen a raccoon eat with his little uh-huh. hands? Yes. Oh, my God. It's so cute. I love raccoons. Have you seen that fat cute. raccoon that dances with that farmer? No. No. <laughs> I'll show you guys later. Have you oh, seen okay. that raccoon that does um, somersaults? Yes. Ooh, oh, my God. I love so it. Cute. <laughs> so should we plug our stuff? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you can find us on twitter.com at Brave Girls Pod. We're on Instagram at Brave Girls Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We're the Brave Girls Club Podcast. We have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Brave Girls Podcast. Uh, we're also, if you're not listening on iTunes, we're on iTunes. If you're not listening on Google Play, we're on Google Play. And uh, we're also on SoundCloud and MixCloud. Give us a five-star review, why don't you? We really appreciate it. We want to we wanna crack that top 200 if we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be tight as hell. Yeah, would. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, help us out. It also helps, like, other people find our podcast. Yeah. Like, other people that listen to other true crimey, spooky podcasts. Yeah, we don't get anything out of it aside from validation and more listeners. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like we're getting paid or anything. Yeah, no. We're not trying to hustle you. We do this for fun out of the goodness of our hearts. (laughs) Yes. I'm just having a good, trying to have a good time with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. So So. yeah. Follow us on junk. Give us money if you want to. 
And, uh, oh, what? Send us um, your spooky stories. Oh, yeah. We need your spooky stories for Campfire Tales. Please send them. If you... Um, I will come to your house if and you record have... you saying it just so you don't you don't have to do anything. Lindsay, you just want to feel like a reporter. I do. <laughs> I love doing it. Every time like someone's like, oh, something like that happened to me. I'm like, I like grab my phone and like voice memo. Your hat with a pencil sticking out yeah. of it. <laughs> What's the rub? I like, gr- like I pull a freaking, uh, what are those? What is L- the magnifying, magnifying glass? glass. <laughs> it's like, what? Like this. Yeah. I was closing one eye. <laughs> a tuba? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you pull your tube yeah. out. A magnifying glass, and <laughs> I look like one of those old-timey detectives with, like, the big collar, the big coat. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, honey, now let me know what happened to you. <laughs> That's my old-timey radio voice. It's a good one. Yeah, it's pretty Thanks. good. But uh, if you send your, if you have, like, a scary story of something that happened to you or someone that you know, um, if you send it in when you listen to this... If you're listening to this, like when it comes out, you'll be on not the next one, but the one after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because after like, we're done sure. recording today, we are out of Campfire Tales. So you're like guaranteed to be on an episode yeah. in the next two weeks. We're blowing our load today. Ew. <laughs> what? Kelly? What? Does that Kelly? mean something? Yes, it does. Who All are right. You? Thanks for listening. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Bye. Stay Bye. brave. Stay brave and goodbye. Bee Thanks bee. for listening. Baby. Baby.